Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing today? I pray that you are well, and uh, we are well here, and all is well in heaven. It's certainly not well on earth, but our Lord is giving us the very special privilege to increase our faith, to deepen our faith, to live our faith in a world that's gone crazy, and in a church that is um, uh, as confused as ever, but the faith has not moved one iota. It is the faith once delivered to the saints, and we have it. We have the greatest treasure this side of heaven, the greatest treasure. So our prelates, our bishops, our pope, uh, priests are supposed to lead us to heaven. Uh, Very few are doing that today. Some are indeed, but um, uh, many, many are not there teaching falsely, or they're failing to teach, or they're silent in the face of tremendous apostasy. So um, we are continuing with the most wonderful book, This is the Faith, because this is what we must know. We cannot believe a faith that we do not know. We cannot live a faith that we do not know. And if you say, well, I was never taught it, well, plenty of resources, dear ones, um, to get books, to go online, on the papal encyclicals, um, uh, go to Catholic, Catholic.com, I keep saying is the best apologetics website in the world, in my opinion. And, uh, and I was on staff full-time with them for nine years, so I know them from the inside, and they're tremendous. And anything you want to know, your challenge with your faith or whatever it may be, go to catholic.com and just put um, the subject in the search box that appears right on top, and you can download, you can print, you can read anything on that website. Um, but um, the the greatest book today is The Catechism Explained by uh, Reverend Sparago. The Catechism Explained, Reverend Sparago, um, was recommended, is how we found out about it, by Father Chad Ripiger. It is the Council of Trent. And you can simply buy the Council of Trent. When I came into the church, our current catechism was not available yet in English. I had the Council of Trent to read, so I read it straight from the horse's mouth. And the current catechism is fine. It's not as... Um, full uh, and good, in my uh, estimation, as the Council of Trent. Uh, the, the current catechism came uh, from Vatican II, which was a pastoral council. Uh, how do we live the faith? Um, and many of the how-tos, in, in describing the how-tos, some of the faith was watered down a bit. But the Council of Trent was doctrinal and uh, was written to combat the Protestant Reformation. And it's a very trustworthy um, council and uh, catechism. And if you get the council of, whether if you get the catechism explained, you'll have Trent 
uh, fully explained. You won't need a, another teacher. It's just tremendous, and it's what we go through here. We are currently reading um, This is the Faith uh, by Canon Ripley. Uh, we chose this. It's a little less extensive than the Catechism of Trent. It's uh, written on a... The explanations are on a bit... Um, simpler level, not too simple, um, because, you know, we have families and children listening, and, and there are lots of good illustrations here that I thought would be good for us. We began yesterday, Chapter 7, Sin, and I won't um, um, repeat what we have read, except the definition, what is sin? Sin as is easy for you to say, sin is an offense against God by any thought, word, deed, or omission against the law of God. And the law of God, beloved, is written in our hearts. It's also written in the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments, in the Ten Commandments, our Lord simply put on paper what he put in our heart. So it is an offense against God by any thought, word, deed, or omission against our Lord's law. Um, How many types of sin? Venial and mortal. Mortal separates the soul from God, separates us from grace, and can be forgiven only in confession with a priest. Um, And venial sin... um, is does not kill the soul, but it must be forgiven. And yes, if one cannot get to a priest, you can say a spiritual, uh, you can have an act of contrition in your heart to be forgiven, but it must be, um, if it's a mortal sin, an absolutely perfect act of contrition, which is not one that simply fears hell, but that is... Uh, filled with godly sorrow for love of him and for having offended him. Um, Okay, let me see where we left off yesterday. Hold on just a moment. Okay. Um, We left off right here talking about mortal sin. Mortal sin brings with it both temporal and eternal punishment. Second Kings, our Lord wrote, but transgressors shall all of them be plucked up as thorns. And Revelation 21 says, but the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, they shall have their portion in the pool burning with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And Matthew, our Lord says, Then he shall say to them also, that shall be on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, which was prepared for the devil and his angels. So don't let anyone tell you that hell is empty or that there's a reasonable chance that all will go to heaven. There's a reasonable chance that all will be saved. There's no such chance. Scriptures speak against that. The church teaching speaks against that. Um, It's all hell, and the reasons for going there is all throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New. Um, Wisdom says... um, Sin causes blindness and ignorance in the understanding. So there you go. 
uh, blindness and ignorance in the understanding. Sin, mortal sin, dear ones, separates us from God, and we are spiritually dead. And so if you put a pin in a corpse, there's no response, because death is the inability to respond to life. When you are in mortal sin, if you don't know it, it's because you are dead, and you need to come back to God through the confessional. Wisdom says they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. And it says these things they thought and were deceived for their own malice blinded them. That's why our Lord told the Pharisees they were blind men leading the blind. Sin turns away the will from the supreme and good from the supreme good and hardens it in evil. I'll repeat that. Sin turns away the will from the supreme good and hardens it in evil. Therefore pride, the psalm says, therefore pride hath held them fast. They are covered with their iniquity and their wickedness. Wisdom also points out that sin begets fear and perplexity. For whereas wickedness is fearful, it beareth witness of its condemnation. For a troubled conscience always forecasteth grievous things. Beloved, if you have a troubled conscience, you have sin in your soul. Something has um, either uh, you've committed sin and have not confessed it, or it shows that you're about to do that. Sin brings with it shame and shamelessness. Paul writes to the Romans, What fruit, therefore, had you then in those things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of them is death. Proverbs says, um, The wicked man imprudently, impudently hardeneth, hardeneth his face. Sadness and despair are the end of sin. Maccabee says, Into how much tribulation am I come, and into what floods of sorrow, wherein now I am, I that was pleasant and beloved in my power, but now I remember the evils that I have done. And then sin robs body and soul of strength. The Psalms say, There is no health in my flesh, Because of thy wrath, there is no peace for my bones because of my sins. Dear ones, if you have a troubled soul and you have no peace, it's not because of the circumstance in the world or in your family or in anyone else. It's because something is wrong with your soul because you can have the peace if you're right with God You will have peace in the midst of the storm. There's the music for our first break, beloved. You are welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Call or text at 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross. And we'll be right back.
this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient enough to warrant heaven upon death? No, it sure is not. You see, the 21st century evangelical says, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans. And when followed, heaven's promised. That, my friends, is presumptuous. This concept dumbs down the holy value of salvation. So here's your toolbox for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and Early Church Fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach to obtaining heaven. Number two, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey, I'm sorry, honey, bring you back into the family? No. Thirdly, the Catholic Church teaches water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. This is Steve Gleason with Catholic Questions Live. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved ones, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. And um, at the next break, we'll begin to take your calls and your emails and call in with anything on your heart, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We've been reading through the effects of sin, and the next one is that sin shortens life and hastens death. Ecclesiasticus says, Humble thy spirit very much, for the vengeance on the flesh of the ungodly is fire and worms. Again, those who think there's no hell or that we won't be there, there's no fire and worms in heaven. <clears throat> Next one, sin destroys reputation, honor, and fame. Proverbs says, The memory of the just is with praises, and the name of the wicked shall rot. Ecclesiasticus again. Who will justify him that sinneth against his own soul? And who will honor him that dishonoreth his own soul? Sin ruins prosperity. Proverbs says, Justice exalteth a nation, but sin maketh nations miserable such as we are experienced now. Our nation is in such abominable sin 
thanks to our um, uh, president um, and all the uh, most of those in um, in office who call themselves Catholic. <clears throat> And Hosea says, Woe to them, for they have departed from me. God is speaking here. They shall be wasted because they have transgressed against me. And then sin makes a man hated by God. Does God hate? He does. He does. Does the God of love hate? He does. Wisdom says, To God the wicked and his wickedness are hateful alike. Deuteronomy says, <clears throat> For the Lord thy God abhorreth him that doeth these things, and he hateth all injustice. The next section here in uh, Keep the Faith by Canon Rick Ripley is the horror of sin. And he asks just how terrible mortal sin is can be judged from the following. He states, Just how terrible mortal sin is can be judged from the following number one mortal sin that is the sin my comments that kill the soul that separate you from god mortal sin is a supreme contempt for the infinite majesty of god the creature despises the laws of the creator the creature despises the laws the creator has made for him and laughs God to scorn. The grievous sinner would kill God if he could. I've met such people. They would kill God if they could. For God and sin cannot exist close together. Those who live in grave sin act as if God did not exist. Infinite love, power, goodness, wisdom, and mercy could be dead as far as the grave sinner is concerned. He's not interested. Yet God has already shown how he hates sin by subjecting all the children of Adam to the evils of life and to death, by permitting the deluge, the deluge, that is the flood, by destroying Sodom and Gomorrah for homosexuality, beloved, any bishop that approves, or priest, but particularly these errant wayward bishops who have approved homosexuality, same-sex so-called marriage, nothing like that exists, um, um, homosexual unions, um, um, LGBTQ, any one of those initials, um, uh, you uh, act as if God don't, does not exist. And you destroy. You you should. God would have to apologize for for destroying Solom, Sodom and Gomorrah, and He does not need to apologize for that. He will destroy those who live in homosexuality, not the tendency, but the acts. Those who live a homosexual lifestyle, if you do not repent before you die, you will be destroyed. You will be in hell forever. And every bishop who has approved that, will be with you. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah by slaying 23,000 idolatrous Israelites. 
Exodus chapter 32, and by suffering so much himself after the incarnation. Secondly, this is the horror of sin. It was sin which caused the sufferings of Christ, the agony, the scourging, the crowning with thorns, and the crucifixion. Sinners crucify him all over again, mocking him and his love. Mortal sin is the deepest, blackest ingratitude to the loving heart of Christ. Beloved, if you're listening to this and you are in grave sin, don't think for a moment you'll just do you'll you'll just finish out this week or this weekend or figure out how to make other plans uh, or as long as you confess before you die uh, you are an absolute fool the fool says in his heart that there is no god and if you wait you believe there's no god why should god wait till your timing until you live out your sin When you go to sleep tonight, if you have not repented, you might wake up in hell, and that will be forever. Number three, the horrors of sin. Mortal sin deforms the souls of men, destroying all the spiritual beauty that is in them. It makes the soul bankrupt by robbing it of all past merit. Do you hear that? You enter into mortal sin every good you've done in the past, Everything is wiped out. It means nothing anymore. It paralyzes the soul because the soul is then unable to gain supernatural merit from any good works done while in the state of mortal sin. In fact, mortal sin kills the soul by taking away from it all supernatural or spiritual life. A man in grievous sin ceases to be the temple of the Holy Trinity, ceases to be a sharer in the divine nature and a spiritual brother of Christ. If a man has committed mortal sin, beloved, if you are in homosexual relationship, you have committed, you are in mortal sin. Who are you to say that, Mother Miriam? Who do you think you are? I'm just a sinner who has been forgiven by God and read the scriptures. And I only tell you, what the church says in its infallible teaching and what the scriptures say because the scriptures came from the church. If a man has committed mortal sin, his body is but a living coffin for a supernaturally dead soul. And if he dies unrepentant, he will be condemned to the living death of hell for all eternity. He won't be annihilated, beloved. He won't be unfeeling. It's not asleep. You are fully alive in hell to suffer forever. In a word, Canon Ripley says, mortal sin is the greatest of all evils. When St. Louis of France was a boy, his mother, Blanche of Castile, once said, quote, you are as dear to me as any son could be to any mother Yet I would rather see you lying dead at my feet than that you should ever commit a mortal sin. End quote. Later in life, the king himself remarked on one occasion to a friend who said he would prefer to commit a serious sin if by it he could avoid leprosy. You are wrong. 
Nothing is more to be dreaded than to displease God. You hear that, beloved? Better to be a leper. When Leonardo da Vinci was painting his famous picture of the Last Supper, he took as his model for our Lord a young choir boy of Milan Cathedral, Pietro Bandinelli. Years later, da Vinci was looking for a model for the face of Judas. In the streets of Rome, he came across a man whose hardened eyes and vice-lined countenance struck him as being ideal for this purpose. On being asked to sit in the studio, this new model said, quote, Of course, you have already painted me once before. I am Pietro Bandinelli. Oh, my goodness, end quote. I think I read that story before, but I totally forgot it, and I'm a goosebump. Whether the story be true or not, it certainly brings out the fact that whereas the state of grace makes one like to Christ, that of mortal sin makes him like to Judas. Oh, how awful. What an awful story. The next section is the divisions of sin. Sin may be original or actual. Those are the divisions. We are born into original sin. Actual sin is what we commit. Actual sin may be mortal or venial. And in original sin, original sin is the sinful condition in which men are born and which we inherit from our first parents, Adam and Eve. When Adam fell by deliberately sinning against God, he plunged the whole human race into a state of guilt. In fact, he was the human race. This was not only a personal sin, but a racial, a family sin. The effects of the sin of Adam for his descendants were as follows. First, in the soul, there was the loss of divine grace, privation from heaven, ignorance in the intellect, weakness and malice in the will, concupiscence in the heart. And in the body, there was the loss of man's extraordinary natural gifts, plus the new conditions of work, sickness, death, and corruption. And the effects of sin on earth, there was unfruitful soil, which had to be tilled. Some of the animals were now ferocious and beyond control. Every time I see a mosquito or am bitten by one, I said, personally, I hate mosquitoes and I need no further proof of the fall. God did not create insects to feed off us. That's all I need as proof of the fall. Beloved, we'll stop there for today. Um, If you are in any state of sin, go to confession. If you are in mortal sin, if you get hit by a truck, if you don't wake up in the morning, I know you're not planning it, but who plans death? Um, Repent. Repent. And call for a priest. Go to a priest, call for a priest, and confess your sin and be restored to life before you die that you could live forever with God rather than be in hell forever with Satan where the worm dies not. Call in with anything on your heart, dear ones. Toll free one 511 
888-528-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show. We're happy to be with you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We strive to keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and a look at the breaking news of the day. Join us on the Catholic Drive Time Show every weekday morning at 7 a.m. across the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. That's every weekday morning at 7 a.m. We look forward to seeing you there. God love you. Our bumper magnets are great ways to promote the truths of the gospel as proclaimed through Catholic Radio. I was getting bored of listening to all the same songs over and over again. And that's when I saw a Catholic Radio bumper sticker. And I thought, well, I should try that. We'd be happy to send bumper magnets for your listening area so that others can come to know the Lord. Order your free bumper magnets at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we are very live. Thanks be to God. We have a whole half hour ahead to take your calls and your emails. Toll free. Our lines are wide open. Call in at one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. Do we have a caller, James? Yes, we do. So today we're going to start off with a call from Dennis in Massachusetts. And I believe Dennis has a prayer request for you, uh, Mother. So we'll go to oh. Dennis first. And Dennis, welcome to the program. Hi, Dennis. Thank you, Mother Miriam. Yes, my wife uh, is going to have open-heart surgery this afternoon. Ooh. And, yes, and she's not looking very forward to it. We have 12 daughters. How, and, many, are, uh, how many are at home? There's like three at home. Still, uh-huh. 12 daughters. All girls? You never had a son? No son. Wow, I tell you what, 12 is God's number. Um, my goodness, um, I guess one for each apostle. So, um, how old is your wife, Dennis? She's 74. Okay, we will pray. I'm going to ask all our listeners, which is all over the world, 
um, to pray for Dennis's wife for her open heart surgery today. That's always a serious, always a serious matter. We'll pray for the doctors, for our Lord to lead them, wisdom, their hands, and for your wife to recover um, well and quickly, Dennis. God bless you, dear one. Okay, dear? Yes, Are you there? Thanks, okay. You're welcome, sweetheart. We will also take your wife into our rosary today here in our community and pray for her. God bless you, sweetheart. Okay, so we'll move on to our first email, and thanks again for that call, Dennis. So today's first email is one I think, Mother, that you'll be able to speak pretty uh, firmly to, and that's because I know you frequently speak out on the issue of modesty and dress and how important that is. Uh, So this is an email from Anonymous who says, Hello, Mother. Thank you for all that you do. I really appreciate listening why I really enjoy listening to you and have learned so much from you. You're a true blessing. My question is, is cosmetic surgery a sin? I'm a woman in my 50s that simply enjoys looking my best. I am a conservative practicing Catholic. I appreciate your advice. Thank you, Mother, and God bless you. Oh, my goodness. Um, it, you know... I, I, I cannot say it's a sin. The church does not specifically speak about it. Um, but it's, if it's not medical surgery, if it's not necessary, and it sounds like it's not, um, there's certainly a vanity involved in that and maybe motives that are not um, as pure as you may wa- wish for your heart. Um, the catechism says, um, if morality, this is 2289, I'm just looking it up, if morality requires respect for the life of the body, it does not make it an absolute value. It rejects a neo-pagan notion that tends to promote the cult of the body to sacrifice everything for its sake, to idolize physical perfection. Now, I'm not saying you've gone that far in des- in uh, require not requiring but desiring cosmetic surgery but um uh there's a few questions i i see here that might be helpful to us they're not i'm getting them from the uh, from catholic.com um number one what is your intention are, are there vanity or self-esteem issues psychological issues secondly is your happiness dependent upon the outcome of the surgery Three, and, and I would say that's a great question because what if it goes wrong? You'll be more miserable than if you hadn't had it done. Number three, will these procedures increase certain health risks? Four, will the costs be a financial burden to you or your family? And fifthly, uh, if you are married, will your husband support your decision? Now, I, I don't know that any of those apply to you, uh, except the first, maybe the first couple of ones. Um, and um, I, uh, dear anonymous one, um, again, I don't know that it would be a sin, but if you are doing it just as you say, look for looking your best, I think your, your motives may not be um, as pure and holy as God would wish you to be. I think He would wish you to simply be who you are. That's the one of the most famous uh, statements of St. Francis de Sales is be who you are and be that well. Don't be afraid of aging. Um, 
uh, if people see you happy and holy as you age naturally, um, you'll be a better witness than someone who um, is overly concerned about their appearance, even to portray a false appearance, which would be the fruit of um, cosmetic surgery. So um, I would not... Um, I would I would suggest you do not do that. Just continue to look your best, modest, very little makeup, um, no tight clothes, don't wear pants if you're in your 50s, just dress like a beautiful woman. Um, I tell you personally, when I see beautiful women who are in their 50s and 60s and age well, it's 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 an example for me. I'm older than that, but it's an example for me. It's just so beautiful. So I think we should age with grace and not counter what God does and allows in our body. Okay, James. Um, do we have another email or caller? Yes. So our next email is going to be another really important, prevalent topic in our world and in the news today. And this email comes from Chester, and he says, What explanation can you offer for what is happening to so many Catholic apologists in light of the Dobbs decision? I'm thinking particularly about Mark Shea, who attacks pro-lifers daily by calling them hypocrites, anti-woman, anti-Semite, etc. Oh, my goodness. I'm shocked. I've never heard that about Mark Shea. I've never heard that about Catholic apologists. I don't know. I'm looking at the news, but maybe I'm not looking at all the right, the right places I should look. Mark Shea, he's been a beautiful... His book on the body of Christ, the Eucharist, because he was a convert before me, helped me into the church with his scriptural analysis and everything else. Oh, that's, that's sickening, actually. So, um, Chester, I can't offer any explanation for that. I'm sick about that. You've just informed me any more than I can offer an explanation for priests and bishops and the Holy Father himself who have lost the faith. There's no explanation for it. It's just the fruit of Satan's work in the world to go against life to go against a law that would prohibit the killing of children in their mother's womb and still call yourself Catholic, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm astounded. So I can offer no explanation other than from what you've just said, Mark has lost the faith. He became Catholic, and for some reason, he's, been pro- he's become Protestant again. Any Catholic in the church who, who is, calls himself Catholic and who is Catholic because he was baptized and he's entered the church um, and he believes that babies should be killed in their mother's womb, um, attacking pro-lifers by calling them hypocrites, anti-woman? How can you be anti-woman if you save a woman from killing her child? Oh my, and from committing mortal sin. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm so shocked, but I'm astounded at that. All I could say about Mark Shea and any like him, um, and I'll repeat, including bishops and priests and the Holy Father himself, um, they have lost the faith. I can't say they're not Catholic if they were baptized Catholic, but hell will be filled uh, with many baptized, not filled completely, 
but will be occupied by many baptized Catholics who have turned against God, turned against the church, turned against the faith, once delivered to the saints, thou shalt not murder, period. Um, I'm so sorry, James. Well, that, that was a whopper for me. Who is next? Uh, this is an email from John, and I, if it's the John that I'm thinking of, uh, John is kind of returning to the church. He emails in pretty regularly, so thank you, John, for sticking with us, continuing to email. We appreciate you. Um, so this comes from John. Uh, Hello, Mother. When St. Paul VI allowed receiving in the hand, he said the traditional way must be retained, and he puts in quotations here, to touch the sacred species and to distribute them with their own hands is a privilege of the ordained. So, why does the Catholic Church let people who are not ordained touch the Eucharist? Forty-five years ago in church, we would kneel at the altar, and the priest would walk back and forth, placing the Eucharist on our tongues. Why has this changed? Well, um, Pope Paul VI, in his very first sentence that you just read, uh, contradicted himself. Would you read the first sentence again of uh, what Pope Paul VI said, James? Yes, he says, uh, when St. Paul VI allowed receiving in the hand, he said the traditional way must be retained, quote, to touch the sacred species and to distribute them with their own hands is a privilege of the ordained. Well, there you go. It's not just a privilege. It is uh, the only acceptable way. Uh, No one but the consecrated hands of a priest, and in the words of uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, not even a deacon, no one but the consecrated hands of a priest should touch the sacred species. No one. And for Pope Paul VI to allow it and then say, no one but the consecrated hands of a priest, no one but it's the privilege of the ordained, completely contradictory and He's telling the faithful and priests and the church to commit sin. He's simply telling them to go against the law of the church in that one sentence. It's astounding to me. Um, so um, what, was the, what was the question then? I, I'm sorry, James. Uh, the first question was, why does the Catholic Church let people who are not ordained touch the Eucharist? And the second part was, why has this changed? Uh, from 45 years ago when John says that he used to kneel at the altar and the priest would walk back and forth placing the Eucharist on everyone's tongue. Well, um, the church has allowed it because the church has gone off base and we are in awful times. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, um, it, it has, it, it's changed from 45 years ago because the faith has been watered down and weakened and Satan has crept, as Paul VI himself said, the smoke of Satan um, has, has uh, come into the church. And that's what's responsible for it. It's not of God. It's of Satan. Communion in the hand is of Satan. It's not of God. And I know it came from the Pope, and it's come from uh, our current Pope and other Popes and bishops and everyone who serves communion in the hand. It's It's... It's from Satan. It's not of God. You don't. You can't change that. Um, the church has changed its practice, not its doctrine. Doctrine cannot be changed, but practice and discipline can be changed. And this has been changed for the worse. It's simply evil. We all we need to do is look at the outcome today of people, uh, not even uh, properly making a throne as. Uh, Vatican II um, 
uh, instructed. Making a throne for our Lord with their hands, they just take the Eucharist like they take a French fry, put it in their mouths, and it's putting it in their mouths, but they're putting him in their mouths. And I see uh, particles all over the floor. We step on him. Uh, Our Lord has not ordained that. So um, it's changed because the church has been infiltrated by Satan and by... um, uh, if you read the book by Della, De, uh, Bella Dodd, it has been infiltrated by bishops, um, young seminarians who are now bishops and cardinals who never had the faith to believe with, to begin with. And it's, it's awful. And we need to return to the holiness that our Lord deserves. There's the music for our break, beloved. Uh, When we come back, we'll have about 10 minutes, and our lines are still wide open, and you're welcome to call in with anything on your heart, 1-800, rather, 877-511-5483, or email at motheratthestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded, and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your reoccurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we do not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. Thank you. Hey, Jim Havens here. I'm host of The Simple Truth, which airs every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross Catholic Media Network. The focus of the show is authentically receiving, living, and handing on the simple truth of Jesus and his Catholic Church in a down-to-earth, no-nonsense manner. The guests are phenomenal, and each weekday has its own theme, always encouraging us to take the next step in our faith wherever we may be. It's The Simple Truth, every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Do you love listening to the Station of the Cross on your car radio, but sometimes find yourself driving outside the listening area? Never miss another minute of your favorite show. Download the iCatholic Radio app so you can listen anywhere in the world 24 hours a day. The iCatholic Radio app is available for your phone in the Apple Store or for your Android phone in Google Play. Visit thestationofthecross.com for more information. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that and through your programs I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the station on the cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. And this is our last segment. We have about 10 minutes, and you are welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart or text toll-free at 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at com. James? Yes, so before the break, we started an email from John, and John is a regular listener, and he uh, stepped away from his faith for many years and is in the process currently of returning to the church, and he has a couple questions about why the uh, process for reception of Holy Communion has changed over the years. So his next question picks up here. He says, uh, my current priest stands at the altar facing us and not the other way. Is this right? I thought the priest was leading us to Jesus. I asked my wife why the priest here is doing it that way, and she told me that when he is doing the Mass, he is Jesus. I just about jumped out of my skin. Is that right? I've never heard that before. No, he is not Jesus. He is um he is the um, Alta Christus. He is another Christ when he is doing his most important work, which is consecrating bread, which becomes God himself. When the priest holds up wheat and water around wafer and uh, says the words of consecration, this is my body. In effect, if we could see with our eyes what our faith understands, we wouldn't see the priest because for all intents and purposes, he doesn't exist. Christ is the high priest. Christ is the victim. It is Christ who says, through the instrumentality of the human priest, Christ says, this is my body, through the priest, and bread becomes God, and wine becomes God as well, his body, blood, soul, and divinity. He is not Christ. He stands in the person of Christ, and um, John is 100% right. He left the church in the older mass, which was reverent and beautiful, and it is the priest the under-shepherd of Christ, leading the sheep to Christ. The priest should not have his back to Christ. The priest should face Christ as in the Latin Mass and therefore lead the sheep. Sheep can't be uh, herded. Sheep follow. And so they need their shepherd in front of them, leading them to Christ. So the priest should be facing the altar, facing the tabernacle, and leading the sheep to Christ. Um, Vatican II did not command that the sh- that the uh, priests turn around and face the people, <clears throat> but it gave them the unfortunately, uh, tragically gave the priests that option. But uh, it should not it should not be. Uh, again, if if the priest people say I don't want the back of the priest to me, that's not the point. Christ is the issue, and if he's facing Christ. He happens to have a back, so the back is to the sheep. If sheep are following the shepherd, they're following him at his back because he's leading them. So, John, you're 100% right. The priest is not Jesus, but he stands in the person of our Lord to lead us to to our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I'm wondering, James, if I missed anything in that. I don't think so. And then just to wrap up John's email here, he says, Thank you, Mother, for being on the air all the time. You've taught me a great deal. I still have a lot to get back in my head as I lost a lot over my years away, but God is helping me learn from you. I bought a catechism of the Catholic Church, second edition revised, in accordance with the official Latin text promulgated by Pope John Paul II. 
Currently, I'm a bit lost in reading it, but I'm sure I'll get it soon. Thank you, Mother, and God bless you and keep you. John. Good, John, God bless you. And the catechism you've got, revised edition, is fine. I'm still going to suggest that you get the catechism explained. It's thicker, and it's somewhat on the order of the Baltimore Catechism, question and answer. And, but the answers are all explained, so you have a, a teacher wrapped up in that book as well. I suggest that the catechism explained. Welcome home, John. God bless you. And um, uh, write in again. It's wonderful to hear from you. Okay, so next we're going to go to our first call of the day here. This is Debbie in Michigan, and thanks for holding on the line with us, Debbie, and welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. Hi, Mother. Hi, Debbie. <laughs> Um, I have a quick question for you. Um, I have a neighbor. I live in an apartment, and it has four apartments, in, you know, in the building. And my neighbor across the hall, they've been very sweet to me. It's a mother and a daughter who's like 21. The mother's about my age, about 60. And as I was driving out here, I'm driving right now, and I, and I, and I saw on her car... She had I Love Satan on there. She's talking about witchcraft. She's got all these weird pictures, you know, stickers on her car. She's got the pride flag in her bedroom window and a whole bunch of other weird things. And I'm always smelling pot and stuff coming from their, their apartment. Her, their, her mother's just not like that at all. Her mother, you know, does go to church and everything. So I was wondering how how can I deal with this? I do have holy water if I need to use it, but how do I deal with this as as a neighbor? It kind of threw me to see that. I mean, should I just pray? Uh, what should I do? Well, I would say you do need to use your holy water. <clears throat> Sprinkle it in your home every day and on her door um, every day. And uh, I would put a couple of uh, miraculous medals, stick them in the corners by her door uh, there as well. And um, you say she's nice to you. Do you have some sort of a friendship? Um, No, we're just neighbors. We live, like I said, we live in the same apartment building. Mm -hmm. But she's right across from you, right? Yeah, right across from me. Right. well, one day, if you can, if you can, um, I can't even think of a book to give her at the moment. Um, you know, if you have a Bible, if you can get a Bible for her, um, try to get the uh, new revised, not the new, forget the word new, don't get new, revised standard version. Um, you don't know when her birthday or anything is, right? Well, don't forget all that. I would say, you know, uh, because it seems that you uh, or your daughter believe in Satan and witchcraft and all of that, and I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, so I believe the very opposite. Um, May I give you this scripture to read um, so that... uh, you might see another point of view, which is from God instead of Satan, something like that. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I can talk to her like that too. I can talk to the mother like that. So, well, but it's the daughter that's into all this. Yeah. So it shouldn't come from her mother. It, It should come from you to the daughter. 
Okay. Maybe the I'll daughter, if then. the mother is Catholic and goes to church, the daughter's going to expect that from her mother. But if you give it to her in love and say, you know, I've noticed your sk- stickers and the door and the car and all of that and, and the things you believe, um, may I give you a Bible uh, to just get other points of view um, of uh, you believe in ga- Satan and I believe in the God who created Lucifer, who became Satan. So maybe you could read about Lucifer's creator, you know, something like that. And and just say, I'd, I'd love for you to read this, and then just let me know what you think of whatever you read. And I would start in the Gospel of John, put a little um, uh, marker for her, like a book, uh, a book marker or something in the Gospel of John, because John, uh, other than more than any other Gospel, is the Gospel that shows our Lord's divinity. So, do that if you can, if you have that opportunity, Debbie. Okay, thank sweetheart. Thank you so much for that. Yes, thank you. God bless okay. you. You too, sweetheart. And that looks like the not just the end of our program, but the end of our week. Oy, oy, oy. So you have a good weekend. Live for God with all your heart. Do not compromise one iota. We do not do evil that good may come. Do not compromise. And uh, have a beautiful weekend, dear ones. And we'll speak with you on Monday, God willing. God bless you.